Greetings and welcome, gentles and ladies, to the 2021 Game of the Year podcast on the Dead Podcast on Versecast Cast. But uh, does, that mean, does that mean there were actual games that came out this year? Uh, no, but we're going to try to talk about it anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, uh, I played a fuck ton of video games. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> uh, this... Uh, I, I will say right off the bat, this was kind of a weird year because I know I talked about on the 2020 podcast, so I thought that was one of the better years in gaming I had experienced in a while and I had a lot of people fight me on that in the comments. <laughs> uh, but this this year was like things came out and then I forgot they came out. Uh, like for the sake of making this podcast more interesting, I actually did go back and play some other games I missed, uh, just so it wasn't King K talking to himself the whole time. Um, <laughs> I but could do that was... if you want. <laughs> well, <laughs> then we wouldn't need all three of us. Well, technically three of the four of us. Uh, for those curious, uh, who are watching, um, unfortunately, uh, Hadox could not make it to this podcast uh, but it's it seemed like a waste to not do an end of the year gaming podcast on time for once um because he hadn't played anything this year <laughs> so he would have had literally nothing to add and he wasn't really feeling up to it so uh so i we're gonna troop on without him and i think i think it'll work out just fine uh, but first, let's complete the introductions, because I'm the only one who introduced himself so far. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, who, who's this deep-voiced Chad? How do you not know me by this point? Who is this is man? To say. I'm King K. And I'm a guy. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm Ryan. And I'm, and I'm Buttface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so, 2021 Game of the Year... Um, and it's, it's, it is one of those years where like, I looked at a list on Wikipedia of what came out this year and I'm like, oh yeah, Oddworld Soulstorm came out this year. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's, it's, I've it's always the... wanted to play Oddworld. It looks interesting. It's like, a what do you call like limbo or like, uh, cinematic platform, yeah, yeah. I think is the term. They're like, um, I don't know how to explain what they are. They're like. They're, sh they're like platformers, uh, Ryan, but they have sort of more... It's kind of like Castlevania 1, where when you jump, you're kind of committed to your arc. Uh, but there's also like climbing, kind of like Assassin's Creed or Uncharted or something, where you have to like climb up walls. Like Lester the Unlikely is a cinematic platformer. That's like um, uh, the like Abe, Abe's Odyssey. That's Oddworld, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's so I, I know that, and I know there was one. there was another game where you play as a guy with the crossbow or something. Yeah, Stranger's Wrath, which yeah. I have not played. I know that one. Um, the story, the story behind that, because I don't think any of us played Soulstorm. No. no. Right. I did play a little bit of New and Tasty this year, uh, just because I was curious about it. Uh, when I was little, I had Bunch's Odyssey for the Xbox. My Xbox, which is now fucking broken, and requires <laughs> a trace bypass because the goddamn traces on the bottom of the motherboard corroded after I installed the $100 HDMI mod. 
bah. Uh, but the Munch- Munch's Odyssey I played as a kid. I played a little bit of it in 2019. I think that one's probably my favorite Oddworld game because it's in 3D and it makes the game play a lot better. Um, what I played of New and Tasty, which has like a lot of optimizations over the original, um, there are some, there's some, there's still some weird design choices in it that they didn't iron out. But uh, yeah, it's like you're the messianic savior of your race of of the slave class, and in, in this, because it's basically an allegory for capitalism, where like the octopus people that wear suits are like the you know the bourgeoisie and then the the maduckans are the the proletariat and they sort of have their little uprising (laughs) yeah that's how that's how it's pronounced i think i've just never Uh, heard the name of them before that's funny um and so basically the idea is abe stumbles across this plot to turn the slaves into food because they they've over over hunted and overfished every other uh you know non-sentient species on odd world so he sort of he tries to escape and basically go undergoes a spiritual journey to discover his true messianic powers and yeah um i got as far as i think i finished the scrabania temple um i didn't stop because i hated it or anything it was more like i was in the middle of working on the zero mission review 100 years ago (laughs) and i just took a break to play that for a bit and then i just never never went back and finished it but i i enjoyed what i played enough it is one of those games where um depending on how irritable you are it can be pretty frustrating um one thing that they did improve over the original is that the original does not tell you where the checkpoints are and will like so like if you die lord knows how much you will have to redo and that's mm-hmm. something I think they fixed in the PC version. And then in New and Tasty, they just straight up have very obvious checkpoints in the level, which I yeah. appreciated. Um, but yeah, but I, I heard that Soulstorm was kind of a dumpster fire. Like it was, I think it was a Unity engine game. Oh. Um, well, I mean, I use Unity all the time. Like I've actually made freaking games in it mm-hmm. um, so i know it pretty well but evidently Soulstorm was pretty glitchy um i think placed sony like funded development for it so it was a ps5 launch title or no it was a ps5 title this year because ps5 came out last year uh, i think there was also a ps4 version but i don't know how good it was and supposedly it was just kind of like it took us over 20 years since Abe's exodus to get a brand new game in this style and it seemed to not learn anything from from those 20 years since uh this is just me going off what i read in reviews so i don't know (laughs) yeah i i watched a review by writing on games i don't know if anybody's heard of him um no he's a friend uh I, I remember him saying, like, he went back and played the original, and Soulstorm is a bit, like, is a bit more, like, it's less subtle about what it wants to say and shit, like, um, so I, I guess the the general impression is that it's not great, but I don't know. That's all I've heard about it is from one guy, so I don't know. Yeah. And I've never even heard of it. 
I've always <laughs> wanted to play the original though because the world fascinates me. So you you'll you'll probably have a better time playing new and tasty because I've played both of them. I haven't finished both of them, but I have played both of them. Um, and new and tasty is way more beginner friendly. Mm. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff in the original Odd World that is just that it feels like it was designed to be tedious on purpose, which might have been the the deliberate angle considering that they're trying to i know but it i i think you'll you'll enjoy new and tasty more mm. uh but anyways uh i i know king k i know that you played more games than i did i put a list of games that i played in the chat uh so i don't know what we want to talk about first if we want to start with games that all three of us played however few that would be like um, i think we all played persona 5 strikers right i played it for about four yeah. hours i also played yeah. it for i i'm honestly surprised they never finished it but i'm in like the second they don't call them palaces do they what do they call them uh jails dungeons yes. or something i don't there know you go. they're not very I'm in, the with I'm in the second one of those Evidently, I got way farther than you guys did, but I still didn't finish it, and we can talk about that. Um, I guess I should start by saying that when we did our last end-of-the-year podcast, which was the last podcast we did before this, actually, <laughs> because we were all busy this year, um, I was talking about Persona 5. I had only just started it. I think it was maybe like... May maybe it was up to the Okumura Palace. I don't remember. Uh, but I hadn't finished the game. Now I have. Um, I would probably say because technically Persona 5 is a game I played this year and not last year when it came out. The Royal version at least. Um, Persona 5 Royal is probably the best game I played all year. Um, mm. Even if it didn't come out this year. Or like... I I think I can see the problems with the base game because, like I said, we hadn't finished it the last time we talked about it. And I was like, why do people like four more than this one? Um, and you guys couldn't say it out loud because it would spoil things. And I understand more about why someone might prefer four. But yeah. personally, uh, the gameplay improvements make the complete difference for me. Or I... Uh, I would much rather replay five, even though it's longer, because it has actual level design. And That's more interesting the thing, bosses. right? You played Royal, right? Yeah. So I'm not gonna say Royal is like a hundred percent upgrade, but like I, because I consider Royal like comparable for me to four. I think yeah. What I was mostly talking about was base P5, which is lacks a lot of the quality of life that was in royal like it still has a lot of quality of life on four but royal like added so like a lot fucking more and they fixed things that didn't work fundamentally about the base game and they gave it the extra uh story stuff that like somehow felt like it slotted in naturally which i was afraid it wouldn't so it kind of like elevated everything to like I, I kind of put them 4 and 5R, I guess 4G and 5R on, like, the same pedestal. 
even though I four edges out, but that's just for personal reasons. But my um, so like what quality of life stuff specifically are we talking right. about? So let me pull up a list real quick. But off of memory, there's <laughs> um, I know that in the original, ammunition was almost useless because it didn't restock after every battle. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, I remember that. There's uh. Hold on, let me look it up. There's there's stuff like um, certain characters didn't have social links, like uh, our, fav- Akechi, our favorites. Yeah, Ketchy. I was gonna say the our favorite sad boy. boy. Uh, he did not. Well, he did, but it was story based, so you may as well not have had one. So, um, so it was like Nijima. Uh, yes. Uh, let me look real quick. Uh, there's so like i guess what quality of life things did you like and i can confirm whether royal had them or the base game had them i i have heard that the okumura palace was changed in some way yeah. like i know for a fact the boss is different and they made it worse somehow <laughs> well i, I but, yeah the boss i guess is worse but to be honest with you having played both of them i don't know i mean i never thought the palace was that annoying to begin with so i like I couldn't speak on that one because I'm an outlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the stuff in Kichi Joji with the billiards and stuff and like... Oh, yeah, yeah. That was all new. Um, there's... Uh, I think there's stuff like some personas were added and there's like... Uh, this is not a very comprehensive list I'm looking at. Sorry to say. Uh, oh, there's gameplay editions. Oh, that's what I was looking for. So, Mementos. That's one of the... Mementos fucking sucks in base P5. The way that I know they, they changed, added more music. Yeah, so they added music to make it like Tartarus, where it like evolves. Um, wow, there's my cat. Cameo. Uh, they Cameo. added... Cameo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate Morgana. Um What? I'm sorry. My cat, it's funny because my cat looks like Morgana, so sorry. I know sorry, we've, we've had this conversation on Twitter before. Like, not you not liking Morgana, I'm like, I don't know, he's fine. I love Morgana. Uh, I, you know what, Ryan, I think I'm on your side, at least closer to your side. Or like, I liked the fact that he was kind of like the the experienced one teaching everybody what to do the the problem comes in the fifth the the fifth palace cycle where he leaves the team for 5 minutes and comes back he oh yeah just seems like a rushed character beat i i think his kind of character type really bothers me in fiction for some reason the like i don't even know how to describe what he is he's like very He's just really annoying. I don't like, and he never really, I never felt like he grew to the point where he became less annoying. I don't know. There's, I really hate his arc, quote unquote, that happens. It just, I don't know. Everything about, I just, every time he speaks, I want to punch him. That's my boy. Yeah, I don't feel that way at all. But then again, I've gotten annoyed at arbitrary things myself, so 
<laughs> well, I, I know, time, I know people who hate Teddy, and Teddy's like my favorite. Yeah, my yeah favorite I don't characters. agree with them either. Because um, Teddy was hilarious. I love uh, Teddy. Persona 4 is definitely funnier than 5 is. I'll give it that. Uh, um, and uh, so, Ryan, I know that you have Royal, but you didn't finish it, right? I haven't even played it. Okay, so you have not played it. Yeah, it um, was, so a, it without was a Christmas gifts, and I haven't even touched it yet. Um, so I think King K, you and I can agree that the royal chapter, the story that they told, was the highlight of the whole game. Yeah, basically, yeah. Like, um, I because it's because everybody was like, oh, make sure you max out the 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 counselor social link, mm -hmm. or I think it was confidant and five, um, which which I did, and then. I was like, okay, so after the final boss, there will be this. And, I'm, and then it still managed to surprise me yeah. uh, multiple times when it felt like, like you said, it felt like a natural extension of five. And specifically, one of the critiqued plot points from five was that a certain character unceremoniously dies and they sort of set it up in a way that they could return, but evidently they don't in the base game. They just stay dead. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like, Royal was making a meta commentary on the original vanilla version of the game <laughs> when yeah. when new villain man or woman I'm not going to spoil it basically says it was such a shame that uh, this this plot point didn't reach its fruition so I did this thing <laughs> yeah. and God bless God bless them they were absolutely right because it was it was amazing. <laughs> what they did with that character well, it's i'm used because like in golden they had the stuff with marie which is just like i i don't hate it as much as most people but it was also like fine <laughs> it was kind of like a weird thing they added um but so that's what i was thinking was going to happen in royal but it, it was like the exact opposite where like it, it, honestly my fr a friend of mine was playing royal for the first time and he was talking to me about it uh no it's uh somebody else you don't know them um okay uh they were playing royal and they got the extra stuff the bonus palace and we were, we were talking and i was like you know that that ending was like bonus stuff right and he was just like surprised. He thought it was always in the game, <laughs> which I guess <laughs> yeah. from an outside perspective is like just goes to show it really it slots in pretty naturally somehow. I mean, there are, there are a few moments where you can tell they've added it. I mean, you can always tell that they've added it in after the fact, but like it for the most part, it fits pretty naturally. Yeah. And it, and it felt like it was an interesting inversion of the dynamic of the other palaces. Yeah. Cause oh, I love the I, palace. It was so good. I I straight up think, and this is maybe a topic too deep to get into in a podcast like this. I straight up think the eighth palace ruler was just straight up right. Are you t like? There are a lot of. Is that the final one that was added? Uh, yes, the final okay, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. I mean, yeah. I could not get into this on the podcast, but I sympathize with him a lot but the more i think about it the more 
the more that I disagree with what he's doing, but that I don't want to talk about that because that would become a like it would yeah, it was it's a high concept that, philosophical thing that's like it would take forever to talk about. But yeah, I get what you I, mean. A lot of people uh, uh, there were a lot of people when they beat it that were like they're right, you know? Like and it, it's kind of hard to argue against the things that he does because they're you know like I if, if I have any criticisms of the Royal Chapter at all, which I thought was like a 10 out of 10, it would be that I thought they didn't do a good enough job rebutting him. Mm-hmm. It just sort of seemed like they opposed him for the sake of itself and not because they really had a compelling reason to. But that was just me. Uh, what I will say, though, is like the actual like ending was really um how would i describe it bittersweet like it it actually made me feel emotions (laughs) which is something that not a lot of games really do for me that well anymore um like some really deep raw emotions i mean um and it made saying goodbye to a 80 hour game or however long it was for me really difficult like, it felt like I just got divorced when I was done with the game, <laughs> which is, is a pretty good sign. I would put it in my top 10 for goats. That's the persona rabbit hole that you've fallen into. Yeah. Now I, now I need to play three and two and one. <laughs> I still, I can't, I've tried to play one and two so many times. I just can't do it. Three is like... <sighs> I don't know. I played the PS2 one, which was frustrating, but also I just couldn't handle the PSP cutscenes being like slideshows. I don't know. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, that 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 physically, I was flabbergasted when I saw that because I downloaded those three games on my PSP before the store shut down, yeah. which it might not have actually shut down yet, but um. I was playing P3 Portable, and then the first cutscene comes up, and I was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. this is the same platform that had Ratchet & Clank, Size Matters, and that shitty Secret Agent Clank game, and Birth by Sleep, and a bunch of other games that were completely 3D and had voice acting and stuff. Yeah. But they couldn't put a few cutscenes where, well, play, where like the models stand around and exposit to camera. It sucks because <laughs> P, P3 portable is like definitive easy, except graphically it's like, it just annoys me. And it's hard to get into the story that way, which it maybe sounds a little shallow, but it honestly is because you compare it to four and five and it's yeah. just, it's really hard to do. Because the PS2 version is really close to four, so it's it's pretty easy to do that to get into that story. But then you got to deal with your party members not listening to you. May I say that it's weird? Because like last year we got the PC port of uh, Persona 4 Golden, which was great, no. uh, really solid port. It was how I was introduced to the series. Why haven't we gotten a P3 one yet? Yeah, I don't know. That would be really good. Because it, it like seems that. like the kind of thing where you could take all the innovations from Portable, like the extra social links, 
but have the PS2 presentation because I don't even think there's some kind of mod for the PS2 version that lets you control party members and a few other things yeah. like the a PC version that combines those all of those features together would easily be definitive and my preferred way to play it. But but anyway, Persona 5 Strikers came out this year and all three of us played it. Now that we've got the backstory on Royal done and over with, uh, the first thing that disappointed me was that um, Yoshizawa is not in it at all, nor is she referenced. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the events of the 8th Palace are not referenced, so it's like it never fucking happened. Evidently, these two games were in development at the same time or something, and that's probably yeah, they were. why. I actually think this game was in development before Royal because for some reason it took like several years for it to get localized. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess there's more localization stuff to handle with a Persona, especially since it's fully voiced. Well, most of it is voiced. Anyway. I just think they weren't doing it until recently. They just decided they were going to do it because it wouldn't take several years to localize. Like, they just wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not really sure how much of a handle Atlas has on itself, honestly, because I've heard that. They have these really beloved IPs like SMT and Persona and a few other things, but they seem to have a trouble making money, even though Sega owns them and they have Sega money to produce their games. Yeah. Um, but Persona 5 Strikers, now Buttface, uh, Ryan, <laughs> you so you said you played it for four hours and then just dropped it. So what, what was your experience with the game? Honestly, I, I can't even tell you why I dropped it. Like, I, I just, I played it, and I thought it was kind of nice because um, it picks up from the original, like, vanilla P5's ending. That's the one I played through and beaten. Um, and, like, I remember feeling kind of, I don't want to say nostalgic because, like, that game came out, like, five years ago. But it was like, oh, wow, you know, it's these guys again. And I I haven't seen these guys in like five years. And it felt kind of like sweet and heartwarming and everything. But I think, and I don't know how much of this is the fault with the game. Or if it's just, you know, maybe I have my expectations somewhere else. But I think a lot of the fun of uh, Persona 5 was the whole, uh, the social aspect. Where it's like you're going to the towns and socializing and stuff like that. And maybe there is stuff like that in this game. I don't know. But it felt like as if, like, the four hours that I put in, uh, it just, it was, the combat was really boring. And it felt like as if this was supposed to, was supposed to be the majority of the game. And I just... It is. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just seemed like as if the stuff that I liked about Persona 5 isn't here. Like, it's got, like, the same type of music, the same, uh, the same kind of, like, graphical style. Uh, the UI design is still really cool and everything like that. The characters seem to be, you know, the same. So they're not like yeah. written differently or written weirdly or anything like that. So that's nice. But I don't know. Just nothing about it grabbed me. And that's kind of a shame. It kind of felt more like a side story too. So in King K, you only got up to the second jail, right? Yeah. Uh, did you finish the first jail, Ryan? Do you remember? No, I did not. Okay. Um, so I got all the way up to the final dungeon um i made 
the mistake of playing the game on hard, which certainly makes the combat more interesting since it's harder, but it also kind of exposes how flimsy it is. Because there are a lot of, like, the bosses, and there are tons of mini-bosses, too, where they're just shadows that have, like, the longest, uh, as Retropolis Zone would say, a health bar so long gives his third leg a run for its money. <laughs> where it's just, like, you're, you're hitting the boss over and over and over again, and it does, like, no damage. And the boss is gone for, like, ten minutes, and if you die, you have to do the whole fucking thing again. That sounds like um, a game I played earlier, or a game I played this year. It's it's like the shitty uh, new Okumura boss from Royal, uh, which was shitty and terrible. Uh, the story and the character, the I, I won't even say the story. The characters were the best part because, like you said, Ryan, you're hanging out with the Phantom Thieves again, and they have the same personality, and you get to see them in new situations. Like I don't think either of you guys got this far, but there was like a subplot about how they didn't want Haru to drive the RV. And it's like you don't you don't know why at first, uh, and it's like Makoto is like, oh no 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 no, I can I can drive Haru, it's okay. And then partway through, it turns out it's because Haru is a speed demon yeah. and just a mad woman on the road, yeah. which is such a great character detail, and I love it. And they never let her drive again. <laughs> um, there's there's a new character named Zenkichi. Uh, or Gramps as they call him. The game is hilarious. Like the writing, the moment to moment writing and just the character dialogue is on point. It's hilarious. It's about as funny as four, I'd say. Um, and it's just kind of fun to watch these characters go on vacation together, essentially. Um, and basically go to all these cities throughout Japan, which I learned a lot about Japan from playing this game. Like, uh, that apparently Osaka is famous for its cuisine. That was not something I knew. Um, in terms of the actual overall plot, it kind of suffers from a problem. I'm trying to think of another game that does this, where it just feels like it's going through the motions again, especially towards the end, uh, where it's like I don't, I don't know if any of you guys care if I spoil it or whatever. Not really. I mean, I will finish it, so I do kind of care. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'll spoil it. It's pretty predictable, is what I'd say. Like, whatever your best guess is as to who the ultimate antagonist is, is probably right. It's Morgana! <laughs> uh, no. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> though, I, I, I think even for as much as King K hates Morgana, he probably would not have guessed that. <laughs> Um, no, probably not. There were some kind of interesting concepts for the jails, at least. Like, um, the second one is Dungeons and Dragons theme because of who the palace ruler is and how they made their fortune. It's kind of interesting what they did with the antagonists in this game because it's like with the first Persona 5, you have like the, the very first ruler is Kamoshida, who is an unrepentant bastard who sexualizes minors and abuses his students. Um, and then you go to the second game and you have Alice Haragi, who is like, she became an abusive person as a result of being abused herself. Like, it's sort of like they took the, what the hell would you call them, labyrinths from four and the palaces from five and kind of split the difference. 
or you have a person who does awful things, but it's because of abuse and psychological problems they've suffered in the past, like for. And I thought I thought it was pretty interesting for the most part and the way that they sort of take a character from the main cast and sort of have them connect with the ruler and that's sort of because like Anne in the original is pretty boring. <laughs> well, not mean boring is the wrong word, but her and Haru felt like the most underdeveloped characters of the main cast, if that makes sense. Um, and the part where in the beginning of Strikers, which most likely all of you have played, where Anna's the only one who really understands what Alice went through because of her history of having like a foreign name relative mm. to Japan, like having an American name, being part American herself. Um, she, she sort of understood Alice on a level that the other characters couldn't. Like that, that to me was like the most fleshed out she had ever been as a character. Um, and they do more of that stuff later with the other rulers. Uh, and yeah, uh, but it's just like Ryan was getting at. Um, if the combat wasn't interesting in the first four hours, you can imagine what it feels like 20 hours in. Um, especially when you get to the final dungeon, which is kind of, how do I put this without spoiling it? It's f uh, old rehashed <laughs> been there done that mm -hmm. um and you know like it it each time i put the game down i'd lose all the skill i accumulated which is a bad sign it's one of those games where you have to kind of keep playing it in one continuous marathon for hard mode to be sustainable because you know there's a lot of heuristics they expect you to have built up so i dropped the game for a couple of weeks for school related reasons and came back to it for the final dungeon and i just got my ass kicked and i'm just like do i really want to finish this and then i just never finished it <laughs> so yeah uh it, it it had some good things going for it like everything persona about this game is pretty good like i remember the combat and I, the only other Koei Tecmo game I played is Hyrule Warriors on the Wii U. I remember the combat in that being pretty shallow. Like the fact that they actually this game actually has some kind of level design in it, where like you have to explore a little bit, and the uh, the fact that you have the personas that you can use and you can cast magic and stuff, and there's some RPG elements. I would probably rather play Strikers than Hyrule Warriors, which I've felt no urge to go back to since I finished it in like 2014 or whatever that was. But it was it ultimately it wasn't a sustainable experience where I could finish it. And it just felt like the stuff with Zenkichi was great as far as the story goes. But in many ways, it just felt like it was going through the motions again from the first one, which a lot of people didn't like to begin with. So... I mean, I, I did even, and it was just like, okay, we've, we've seen this before. It, it was fine in like the first hour, because like, like I said, finishing Royal felt like a divorce. So to pop in this game immediately afterwards and just have those characters back again felt great. Uh, but ultimately, it wasn't sustainable. So that was Strikers. See, the thing is, too, is that, like, I even liked the combat for Hyrule Warriors, and even though I didn't really care for the story of Age of Calamity, I thought the gameplay in that game was really good, but, again, like, this was, I don't know, I don't know what it is about it that 
bored me. Like, what it is about the combat that bored me. Maybe it's also because you get too many characters at the start, and then, like, with the other games, you only have, like, a select few to play from, you know? And then, like, you yeah. kind of... Like, and, like, and that encourages you to be like, oh, hey, I got this new character. Uh, I wonder what they play. Like, you play a few maps this time. It's like, oh, wow, okay, so they, you know, maybe you don't like this character, but you like this new character. But with this, it's just like, you get, like, the party right off the bat. It's just like, oh, well, you know? Doesn't really give you a lot to, um... I don't know, like, there's not, like, that sense of progression, I feel. I mean, there sort of is. You you do unlock some new moves as the characters level. Like, the longer you use a character, the more moves you can get. So, there is a sort of a progression. But you are right that you start off with uh, Joker, Ryuji, and Morgana. Uh, and then you unlock the other five characters immediately. And then you get the last character, like, four jails in yeah and it's kind of like okay this is it, it did feel like here's all of this shit to level up and we're giving it to you now and we're not gonna pace it out and um you just gotta get used to playing as all of them um and it's one of those things where you could run across a boss that is suddenly weak to psychic attacks and you haven't leveled up haru at all and you just gotta f fucking make it work and especially with the bosses being as long as they can be on hard mode. And it's just, yeah. So, uh, that was Strikers. I went first. Uh, who, who has a game they want to share next? I'm sure King does. Uh, sure. Um, it's, I guess, like, Ratchet and Clank. Did okay. anyone even play that? I don't have a PS5. If Sony wants to produce more PS5 consoles that aren't a thousand dollars, then sure, I'd love to play it. But that's the problem right there. Um. Well, to be honest so with have you, to keep the spoiler free. To be honest with you, I don't have like a ton to say about it, other than like it was really good, and I liked it. Okay. It, it also um, looks very good. So I I don't know if I'm gonna pick this because I don't really have much to say about it. To be honest, it was, was nominated just... for Game of the Year. I thought that was kind of surprising. There, there was stuff like the tether and the dash that I was curious about, like how that plays. Yeah, that's pretty. It's like combat wise, I think it's probably one of the most fun to play in terms of its gunplay and stuff. But is there more platforming in it than some of the other games? Uh kind of probably not what you would want but yeah i think there is yeah i mean the the game looked good the promise is that nobody can play it because of the chip yeah. shortage which means there are no consoles which means nobody can play it you know it's like i don't even really i never really had much of an interest in ratchet and clank but i you know this one i thought looked pretty okay and then i'm hearing yeah. from people who got kind of burned out of ratchet and clank say that this game was actually really good so i'm like oh so, if or when... I mean, my sister has a PS5. I don't know how she ended up getting one, but... <laughs> if, I were to, if I were to ever get my own, you know, I'd probably give it a shot. Wow. I'm trying to pick a thing that we've all played, but I'm realizing this will be hard. Well, I know, King K, that... Did you play the Epic Game Store's versions of Kingdom Hearts this year? Yeah, I did. Okay. So that's something you and I both did that we could talk about if you want. I have not. Uh, I mean, I guess, yeah. I probably wouldn't have much to say about it, but yeah. Because, like, 
I guess I guess what I would say the crucial difference is between because it's like I think technically the PS4 Pro version supports 4K. Um, I think it had some frame drops, but which is kind of lousy considering it's a PS4 game. But uh, all of those all of those PS4 versions have like a black border around the screen, which I prefer to stretching it out with bilinear filtering personally. But it's still it's like. You're playing Dream Drop Distance on the PS4, and there's a big black border around everything. Um, so the PC versions are actually native resolution. Like, it fills the whole screen. There's no border. It plays in 4K just fine, at least on my PC. And it's 60 FPS. The one thing that really sucks about those games, though, uh, the, the port job that they did, is that for some reason you are not allowed to remap certain actions to make it more comfortable on an Xbox controller. I've never understood why the bottom button is the attack button in Kingdom Hearts and why B is jump. Yeah. And you're just not allowed to change those. They're hard-coded. Like, everything's on the wrong button relative to a controller of this shape, and I've just got to get used to it, I guess. Um, Which is weird... Because when you play it on keyboard, you can press spacebar to jump. Mm-hmm. So it's like they have the power to change it, but they just chose to deliberately <laughs> keep everything in the PlayStation <laughs> do you know, positions. Um, do you know about how it controls in the Japanese versions? Is it even worse? No, it's a. Surprised you haven't heard about this, but in the in the Japanese versions of Kingdom Hearts, X jump and attack are swapped. Okay, so attack. So okay, so circle is attack and square is or cross is X, jump. Yes. So having so, cross jump is better. Uh, I'm not sure I want the attack button on the right side of the controller though. I've always just thought it's weird that. It's like that at all. I don't know why they changed it in localization. And then now it's just that way forever. The localized versions have the X and circle set up, but the Japanese version switches it. I th- I think it's because game. because of the menu, uh, the little mini menu in the bottom left corner of the screen where you select your actions and stuff like they wanted you to press a confirm button for that. Yeah. Which means that if you press X while it's on attack, you attack. But I feel like attack should have its dedi- its own dedicated button or something. Like, yeah. I actually, not to go back to Strikers too much, like, but I actually thought that the way that they handled the spells in it was way better than Kingdom Hearts does it. Where, like, first of all, you, you hold a button, you go into a menu, the game, like, goes into slow-mo, which... Kingdom Hearts 3 had, but no other game did. And then you can pick your spells and you can take as long as you want to do it. Uh, Whereas Kingdom Hearts will just give you this giant menu that's always on the screen 24-7 and it's like trying to dig through it while people are trying to kill you is just like not conceivable. Mm. Which is why they had to always give you all those shortcuts. Uh, Part of the reason I wanted to talk about Kingdom Hearts on PC, like generally the poor jobs are fine. I I didn't have any crashes or anything, no graphical glitches. It ran perfectly well is because I replayed both Dream Drop Distance and Kingdom Hearts 1 this year. And historically, I've been a defender of Kingdom Hearts 1, like as one of the better games in the series. But going back to it again, 
oh my god was i wrong <laughs> that game has not aged well at all uh the the biggest problem being the level design i think uh yeah. where it's just it just feels like like deep jungle it just blows chunks or it's like the player guidance in kingdom hearts one is absolutely abysmal where it's like you never know where you're supposed to go and they make you revisit the same four rooms over and over again in arbitrary orders like there's a part in atlantica after you unlock ariel as a playable character and i think you're looking for the crystal trident or something and the game just sort of expects you to figure out what to do which is to ride a dolphin through a current to go to a secret room and there are absolutely no hints from npcs or any sort of guidance to tell you that that's what you're supposed to do and it's just there's so much of that shit in <laughs> kingdom hearts one this is why i've always been surprised that you defend that game because there's so much shit in it that i i feel like would piss you off like royally but another thing that i really hated about it is that there's this thing with the enemies because like i've always hated the zigbar boss in two because it felt like once you get him 75 percent down you just arbitrarily can't hit him most of the time like you can shoot magic at him and it just won't damage him there's a lot of that shit in kingdom hearts one where enemies will like fly just barely out of your reach or they'll like the shadows will go into the ground and then you just can't fucking hit them or the the ghost guys that have like the drooping eyes will disappear for a second and it's like they might have a tiny little smidgen of health left but you just have to wait the five tedious t seconds it takes for them to respawn um in the final dungeon there's this one gauntlet that I completely forgot existed in the game, like right before Ansem, where they make yeah. you fight like six waves of enemies. And I was playing on Proud, which has its own problems on top of everything else, where in the earlier parts of the game, before you have second chance, enemies can just completely can kill you from like 60% of your health, but it's just felt cheap because it's like there's no health alarm so i was not in i didn't feel like i was in any danger that i had to be on guard but then the fucking parasite boss and monster's stomach will slap you and you just die uh so that sucked um and i was always a defender of the story too because it seemed like they were actually trying to have some kind of balance of the disney stuff and the new stuff and the final fantasy stuff which is still true but those characters are also boring as fuck and they don't mm. really do anything like um, you'd think that with Oogie Boogie and Ursula running their own schemes in their own worlds that they'd, you know, maybe ask Maleficent for help or there'd be some kind of involvement in that. Uh, Jafar is the only one who looks for a keyhole to my recollection. The other ones don't. And so it just feels like the story goes nowhere until you get to Hollow Bastion and then just Ansem just shows up again and then you go to the last world. So, yeah, that game is not nearly as good as I remembered it. Um, I understand why people prefer to, even though it has its own problems. But at least the levels weren't fucking terrible. They were bland <laughs> uh, and just hallways with enemies in them. But I would rather play that than get than fuck around in deep jungle trying to figure out where to go, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a way to put it. Mm. Yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about that. Uh, anyways, I think because I, I kind of stole yours, Kincaid, so you can pick another one. Uh, 
This is hard because most of what I pick, nobody's going to have played at all. Um, I guess I played Skyward Sword HD. Okay. Anybody else play that? I did a video on it. Oh, yeah, you did. That's right. So, which means all three of us played it. Yeah. So, that's a good pick. Cool. I thought that is pretty damn good port with some good quality of life changes that uh, I will use without qualms, I guess. It's kind of like Ocarina of Time 3D for me. Well, not in the same caliber of a remake, but like in terms of I will probably play it over the original in most cases. Any case, honestly, I don't know that I'm going to go back to the Wii version of Skyward Sword. Well, I was I was just about to say, like, Skyward Sword HD would kind of be like that for me in the sense where the Switch is more accessible than Dolphin or playing on a Wii or, heaven forbid, a Wii U. You know, because, like, the Switch is right there and everything like that. It's more up to date and everything. But I still think as a package, it's kind of underwhelming. I guess it just felt like as if, um, like, if we look at what the other remakes did... Or not remake. Well, I mean, I don't know. Does Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess count as remakes, or are they remasters, or what? I, I've learned because I'm the the guy who does the remake or rebreak thing. Mm-hmm. I've learned that trying to disentangle what each of those things means separately is pointless. Fair enough. So essentially, it's like I just feel like as if I mean, like I like the sixty frames per second, and yeah. I mean, what else does Skyward Sword HD? do that's different well, it, like the te- you don't have to watch stick. what you can use the stick controls that it, yeah that's right are, that's are right not like once you get used to them it does feel nice to i because i don't mind the motion controls in that game too much it feels nice to be able to turn them off for the things that i always hated them for yeah like so like i enjoy dragon. I I think some of the sword combat and like some of the dungeon items are fun with motion controls, but the like swimming and shit, I always thought was stupid Mm -hmm. that it had motion controls. And now there's a way to do it without making my wrists hurt, which I really appreciate. And that's why I like that kind of shit is why I sing its praises is because like I think it was definitely an overpriced port, but like mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of like it's I it just it gets rid of a lot of the things that sometimes even physically hurt me about the original. So I just <laughs> it, it's hard to like go after it too much when it like legit has a mode where because when you play Skyward Sword on the original, you kind of have to be like in the zone tensed up because you're always moving and it's hard to play that game for a long time but on the switch version i would use the motion controls and then i'm like i want to like just sit on my couch i turn it off and the stick controls it takes a bit to get used to but once you do it's like it's perfectly fine and you can just sit on your couch laid back and you don't have to worry about like recentering your gyro or whatever you know like i i just thought it all worked pretty well as a port yeah, and it's not like it's not like another port of a Wii game that came out earlier this year. An ultimate mm, port, yeah. as it were. <clears throat> you know, like I don't think Skyward Sword HD is a bad port. I just think it's pretty underwhelming, especially when you compare it to like what the other remakes, remasters brought to well, the table. 
so like were you looking for like more new content or something i would have preferred something like that yeah because like i feel because like i mean with twilight princess hd it's scummy but it's still kind of cool how you know if you use an amiibo you unlock like little cave of ordeal things but for the wolf um and then with ocarina of time they added like a little boss rush mode like i think it would have been cool if they added not anything too too crazy but like maybe just a few islands just kind of scattered around in the overworld that has like their own like side quests or something you know just anything to to make the sky less boring just something i don't know yeah um i hear you uh i think what i really appreciated about it uh was the fact that it wasn't some god-awful dynamic resolution game like the xenoblade definitive port which was like 720p dynamic 30 fps or something like that uh it was full hd 60 fps and the frame rate and performance seemed rock solid to me from like yeah. a couple hours I played. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I really, really appreciate because, again, like you said, <laughs> there was another port this year that was a fucking train wreck on Switch. And, and by comparison, it's like, you know, maybe it's just Nintendo meeting the bare minimum, but for once they bothered to meet that minimum. There, <laughs> you know, yeah. there are there are so many switch games where they just like, eh, we'll make it 900 P 30 FPS. And they just call it a day, which I'm sick of. Well, they'll, they'll, because they'll do 900 that. P is not a real resolution and the game should never have to run at that. Just they'll, make it. I was going to say like, they'll do that, but then they'll also make it run at like a piss poor frame rate. Yeah. Like really like unrelated, un unrelated to Skyward Sword, but you know, just so I can kind of like squeeze this in here. I played East nine for the switch and like it's, yeah. you know on ps4 and on um, pc and everything like that it runs fine or at least from what i've seen it runs fine but on the switch it runs like fucking ass it's so bad yeah it, like it, it's like it's like 15 frames per second and it's like i know it can handle it because it's not like as if it's graphically intensive or anything like that it just felt so rushed and lazy so yeah especially when you see skyward sword hd running at like 60 you know and full hd and full hd Sonic Colors I mean, is another, it's, it's like, a Wii game, but, you know. I, I noticed that the sky looks less yellow. Is that, like, because of the resolution increase or, like... I will say, because I, I... You guys... It sounds like both of you guys finished it and I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say that the tornado that kidnaps Zelda at the beginning on Wii, it's dither central. Like, it's <laughs> dither, dither, mm. dither, dither dithers everywhere uh but on switch it's not um so there are some minor graphical differences like that so <laughs> i just had to get dithering in the in this podcast at least once so your checks in the mail um yeah i i will say that the motion controls because like i know king k asked you about this when i did that shitty kaizo seed streams last week yeah. uh about the motion controls and I don't know why it is that Nintendo thinks that people want to stand up and play video games with motion controls. Because nobody wants to fucking stand up while they play video games. It's just never not going to happen. 
but the yeah. motion controls seem to expect you to move your entire arm really like you're from your from your elbow like if you want to swing your sword you have to your the fulcrum of that lever has to be your elbow and not your wrist they, they're pretty they're like they're different from the wii controls definitely because it, it felt like i remember in the wii version being able to hold being able to like my siblings stole my copy so i don't have my wii copy on my person right now but i remember the 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 motion controls you being able to do more stuff from your wrist like you didn't have to physically stand up in the room to swing your sword uh whereas with the joy cons you kind of have to uh it just even even the stuff like the beetle felt kind of unresponsive and to me um i know accessibility options and whatnot but it, for me it always just whenever a game that was built on motion controls gets re-released and they they make not having motion controls a selling point it just makes me feel like they're kind of misunderstanding the entire point of the fucking game which was to use motion controls for sword combat and then the fact that the motion controls are somehow not as responsive as the wii version which came out like 20 years ago or whatever actually i think it was like 11 but still that that to me makes me raise an eyebrow a bit it's not unplayable and maybe i'll try standing up to play it and maybe it'll be better but i don't know that kind of shit drives me nuts i mean i was able it's to deal like, with the motion controls just fine with my like just sitting on a chair i don't, I don't know it, anything about yeah. like standing up or anything like that i didn't have to do that it, it it just felt like i had to move my wrist way too much to get the sword to go where i wanted it to which suggests to me that they expected you to swing from your elbow huh because it's like if you had a sword, that's what you would do. You would use your elbow as the fulcrum, and that would give you a wider range of motion than your wrist. But when you're sitting on a couch and you have like armrests and stuff, you can't really swing your arm up and down. Um, so I would want to do that from my wrist because that's the center of gravity that works for that use case. But you can't do that. Um, so I don't know. Uh, but. Uh, what I will say is after playing that shitty Kaizo seed, that was fucking terrible. Um, going back to Skyward Sword again was kind of a pressure breath of fresh air. <laughs> uh, to have actual human beings in the game and not robots that stand around and exposit to camera. Like, actual real presentation. Like, I mean, that's probably a hot take, but it just... God, like, after playing so much Ocarina, it was like a breath of fresh air to go back to this game again. Yeah. Please check out our YouTube channel for video versions of all our podcasts. This podcast was edited by yours truly, ExoParadigm Gamer. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast, and we'll see you all next time.